And thanks to uh, these musicians for being here all morning. I wish I had a different sermon for you at the <laughs> second and third service, but uh, don't give away any of the humor, okay? And, uh, and for uh, the mayor and friend, uh, it's always a gift to uh, share with Bob, and I appreciate so deeply all those words. I hope that I can live up to them. Uh, let's join together in prayer. Spirit of the living God, take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, every now and then somebody will ask me on the way out of church, uh, how long did it take you to prepare that sermon? And my standard answer has become about 40 years. The truth. But since I've never done this before, I decided I ought to check out how other people had done the retirement thing, you know? Uh, all time, the all time best, best of all time, 1939, when Lou Gehrig retired. Here it is. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Uh, that was it, two sentences, which means by that standard, I'm done. I can, I can stop. But you don't get away that, that easily. Uh, then I found um, Bob Barker, after 50 years on television, 35 years with The Price is Right, he had some very helpful advice for his faithful fans. I want to thank you very, very much for inviting me into your home for the last 50 years. I am deeply grateful. And please remember, help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. I don't even own a pet, let alone know anything about neutering it. Uh, and then, of course, here, this has to be the worst of all time. Here it is. Is, but so I really didn't find this exercise to be all that helpful. And besides, I'm a preacher, and I don't know how to preach without the Bible. So I, uh, I went back to the Old Testament, and I looked at Moses' farewell message to the children of Israel. It runs for five long chapters. I figured that was more than you could take. And then I remembered Jesus' farewell to his disciples, but we looked at that text last Sunday, the ascension of our Lord, and I told the folks last Sunday that I only plan to leave in my Jeep Cherokee. I don't expect to be lifted up by a cloud, you know, <laughs> anything like that. So all of which brought me to this, uh, this amazing passage in the book of the Acts when, uh, in a very human way, with lots of feeling, Paul is making this journey toward Jerusalem. He wants to be there by Pentecost, the story says, and he gathers the leaders of the church 
in Ephesus and uh, tells them that he expects that wherever he goes, there will be imprisonment. I don't exactly expect that in Polk County. <laughs> However, if it happens, Grady Judd will be on television. You can be, you can be sure of it. But uh, as, I, uh, as I lived with Paul's message, it, uh, it became sort of the perfect structure of this kind uh, of a sermon. It begins with a deeply personal word. You yourselves know how I lived among you. And by now, you know how I've lived among you. Uh, you know about my grandchildren. Uh, the staff knows very well what they affectionately call my no way in hell look. It never works. They go right ahead and do what they were going to do anyway, but they know what it looks like. And uh, those of you who are here week after week, you've become familiar with some of my quirky sort of behavior in preaching. And if you missed any of it, a year ago when Matt Horan left us, he pointed it out, and Matt, in fact, was here at the 830 service. So here, take a look at what he had to say. And when you come back, you, you should know that the senior pastor here is Jim Harnish. Uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> you know, in fact, when you come back, I want you to know some things that you should look for. Some ways to hear a Jim Harnish sermon, to appreciate it, and really get all that you can out of a Jim Harnish sermon. So I have brought a few video pieces to show you <laughs> some things to look for in uh, Jim's preaching. Now, first of all, I want you to look at Jim's, Jim's what I call the preaching stance, okay? So you'll see, um, now he's not robed up here, but it's the same thing. It's sort of one foot in front of the other, kind of lean back a little bit, inviting you in, inviting you in. Safe place, safe place. Come on in, come on in. It's just easy to listen to and easy to be there. He's not like leaning in your face, like he's just all back here. Come on in, come on in, you know? Love that about Jim, so... That's an important thing to look for and to be appreciating when you're, uh, when you're watching them. Then uh, there's another one that I, I really, I've tried to incorporate this into my own work, really, because it's really pretty impressive. He, I call this the gym hand to the chin move. <laughs> now, when this happens, you need to buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> there's good stuff happening right now when the hand goes to the chin. You need to open your mind. You need to think about new things. Be ready for something new because we're going to think deep here. <laughs> Look for the gym hand to the chin move. And then, and then, this is maybe my favorite. See, one of the things, one of the things that Jim does, and other preachers who are just really good, they try to make it fair to other preachers. So Jim will preach with just one hand. And then I want you to watch this move, because sometimes the one hand isn't quite doing it. He needs to use the other one, but he doesn't want to break the, the one-handed preaching. So he'll do <laughs> this move. I call that, I call that the, the Jim Harnish two-pocket switch. <laughs> I mean, that is just good stuff. So are you telling me you're not going to be back again, and you're going to miss all that? Come back again next week. You'll be glad that you did.
<laughs> I'm trying not to, not to do what I did at 8.30. <laughs> I walked up here and immediately went like this. Well, uh, you know, like the Velveteen Rabbit that got knocked around and beat up a little bit and then became real, we, we've become real with each other. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We've shared each other's laughter and tears. I take great consolation that in the reading this morning, Paul says that he was among them in humility and in tears. That's all okay. And we, we can be real with each other around here about our faith and about our doubts. And that's a special gift. Uh, one of my clergy cronies told us about uh, a little boy in the Sunday school who had a biblical question that his parents couldn't answer. And so they came to the Sunday school teacher. And lo and behold, the Sunday school teacher couldn't answer the question either. So they went to the senior pastor. And uh, he said that he heard the question and gave what he thought was a responsible, intelligent answer. And then he observed as the little doubter and his parents headed out the door, he heard the kids say, he doesn't know either. <laughs> it is, it's a gift to be in that kind of real relationship together and not to take it for granted. The truth is some folks, some folks need a more perfect church and a more perfect preacher than they found here. And I hope they found what they're looking for. Some folks need a church where the preacher has all the answers and every time he gives the answers, because it's always a he in those churches, never a woman, when he gives the answers, everybody says yes and does exactly what the preacher told them. I have days when I think I would have liked that kind of a church. <laughs> but it's not the kind of church I got and it's not the kind of church that I would really want to be in. Uh, we've, we've known each other and that's a great gift for us to continue to share. We, we are just imperfect disciples of Jesus, always by the power of the Spirit, moving on toward perfection. Then in, um, we didn't have Chris read the whole thing, but later on in the message, in the 28th verse, Paul says, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained by the blood of his own son. I hear Paul saying the challenge, take care of each other as you take care of the church. The church. I want to say as clearly as I can that that in my best moments and in my sense of the best things that have happened among us, this has all been so not about me. 
it has been about this amazing, sometimes surprising, often disturbing way that the Holy Spirit has been at work in our life together as the body of Christ, the church. Uh, I think the most significant thing that we've done across these years is to very intentionally wrap ourselves around what we believe to be God's mission for this church, God's vision for our future, and the core values by which this church continues to live. And, and it's been the way all of us have poured our energies into living into and fulfilling that mission and that calling. A mission that was planted here 115 years ago that has seen us through this chapter in this church's life and will continue to lead this church into a future. I, um, I'm grateful, in fact, I ask that we sing uh, the song that the ensemble sang as we were coming in, we'll sing it as we're going out. Greater things are yet to come and greater things are still to be done by this church in this city. Take care of each other as you take care of the church. And then, then Paul gives them a promise. Now I commend you to God and to the message of his grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. Uh, if that's a little hard to take, here's, here's uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of that in the message. I'm turning you over to our marvelous God whose gracious word can make you into whatever he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. In this community of holy friends. And twice in this passage, Paul uses the key word, is grace. It's all, all a gift of God's grace. For Christian disciples in the Methodist tradition, the word is always grace. The word of grace, Paul says, that is able to build you up, to enable you to become all that God intends for you to be. The word is grace the love of God that meets us wherever we are, but loves us too much to leave us there. The grace of God that reaches out for us before we ever reach out for it. The grace of God that never gives up on forming and shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The grace, as the old hymn says, the grace that brought us safe thus far, the grace that will lead us home. It's all, it's all a gift of grace. So a little bit of a uh, homiletical confession here. Uh, there it is again. I just <laughs> Get ready, you know, Matt said, be ready for that. 
those, uh, those three clips that I used at the beginning of the sermon, I'll tell you the truth. I really just went looking for those to sort of lighten things up and get us in to the message today. But after I had lived with Paul's message for a while, I realized, hmm, not so bad after all. I'm not a baseball player, but I, I've been the luckiest preacher alive. I do not have a pet. I know nothing about neutering. <laughs> Don't really want to. That's why Christmas is here. Um, I, I, I don't know, not, I know nothing about pets. But like Bob Barker, I have a word of challenge for you. Take care of one another. Take care of the church, the body of Christ. And I cannot think of a single way in which I would ever want to be anything like Richard Nixon. <laughs> that is not a surprise to most of you. I will give you away the surprise. I voted for him the first time. <laughs> All of us sinned somewhere in our lives. Anyway, I have no idea. I have no idea what that bizarre body movement meant that. And then that. But it seemed a little bit like a benediction. I commend you to God and the word of God's grace. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O oh God of all beginnings and endings, the God in whom we live and move and have our being, the God of shocking, immeasurable love and grace, we give you thanks that the grace and love that are beyond our comprehension are not beyond our experience. We give you thanks for every way that we experience that grace in this community of friends. And we offer ourselves to you anew, praying that the grace praying in the confidence that the grace that has brought us safe thus far is in fact the grace that will lead us home. For that and all your good gifts, we give you thanks through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, usually at this point, um, we invite a response. And I hadn't planned this, but it struck me when I sat down and looked at the bulletin this morning um, you want to know what you can do in this part? We're $40,000 behind on the budget right now. <laughs> I think it would just be wonderful to balance that budget today. So I invite you to consider that as, uh, as we offer to God God's tithes and our gifts and offerings. <laughs>